Hello and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. Joining me for this episode is host of the straight-to-video podcaster and musician extraordinaire, Rob Lane. Rob was kind enough to come onto the podcast and join me in a celebration of what has to be one of the most iconic rock bands of all time, and that is, of course, Van Halen. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking, hold on a second, Harley, you've done an episode on Van Halen. Well, kind of. You see, what happened was a few years ago, for anyone who doesn't know, I decided to put together a tribute episode to Eddie Van Halen after we sadly lost him to a battle with cancer. And really, that episode was a celebration of his life, his legacy, and I sort of focused, of course, on his achievements and what he did. And naturally, the band was talked about a lot. I used a lot of music as well as cues to get through it. But this episode, this is a chance to focus on the band as a whole. We even get to dive into some of the more controversial elements of the bands, the troubles that they had with singers over the years, the forgotten members of Van Halen, and so much more. There really is an incredible amount of knowledge that comes into this episode, and that's all thanks to Rob's passion and enthusiasm for this band. So, without further ado... Let's just get straight to it. This is Van Halen with Rob Lane. Hello, Rob, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Harley, thanks for having me, dude. Oh, my pleasure. You've come to me with a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I can tell it's close to yours because of some of the stuff on your incredible wall display, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. And that is, of course, Van Halen. So to get into this, I'd love to know, Rob, what was your introduction to Van Halen and why have you brought them to the podcast? Wow. I've said it millions of times to many different people. I was late to the Van Halen party. Well, at least in the grand scheme of things to how long they've been going by the time. Oh, same. <laughs> I found out about them. So I was... I think I'd always heard of them. It's like a name which is just iconic. As soon as you become aware of pop culture and music, it's like Michael Jackson, Madonna. When it comes to bands, Van Halen is up there. So you always knew the name, but it, it wasn't yeah. until I was like big into rock music in like the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I was into so many bands before Van Halen came along, but all my favorite bands were name checking them, like particularly bands like Extreme that... They talk about yes. Van Halen and stuff like that. And then 1991 for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge came along mm. by my Guitar World magazine. And, just, <laughs> and I think, strangely, this is like a really long-winded way of getting around <laughs> to yeah, answering no, your it, question. Um, I think I was actually on holiday in um, the USA. No, I'm going to backtrack. Tell a okay. lie. Backtrack. Okay. All those bands which I was into um, at that time, Poison, Def Leppard, extreme another band was warrant i don't know how familiar you are with the band warrant not very no not okay. at all, really they had a they had a, a minor hit in the uk with a song called cherry pie in 1990 um uh, i think i've heard that song yeah probably yeah. probably uh, so this is my vague introduction to van halen before i get into the prop one um uh, uh -huh. they were coming over for a uk tour they were my favorite band at the time supporting david lee roth so right. i was like oh wow i'm gonna get tickets to go see warrant because i love this album it's all i'm playing at the time so me and my friend James, we booked the old way ahead coach trips. This is probably way before 
your time. Ask your dad. <laughs> I will. <laughs> well, you buy the ticket, then you buy a ticket for a coach and they pick you up and take you to the gig. As we got on the bus, the guy at the front says, oh, just a bit of an announcement. Um, the support band's cancelled. I was like, oh. oh, you are joking. So the band I was planning to go and see didn't turn up. So, um, But I got to see David Lee Roth and it was amazing. So that I yeah. think that set the seed to me to have my eyes open. So fast forward maybe four months I go to visit my dad in the States. I was speaking to somebody. They said, have you, they actually said, have you heard the new Van Halen album? I'm like, no, I've not heard it. And he was talking about referencing old Van Halen songs and all the titles sounded great. I thought this is, sounds really cool. Get my guitar world magazine interview with Eddie Van Halen on the cover pound cakes, all that's playing on MTV at that summer. I was in brought for unlawful carnal knowledge. And that was it nonstop yeah. from there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome i love it man yeah they're just like you say i feel that like they are one of those bands that are just synonymous with pop culture yeah. and and uh yeah obviously i'll dress early on yes i have done an eddie van halen tribute episode it's <laughs> so a great episode have, mate i've listened thank to it you. it's really really good i felt compelled to do it just purely as a huge fan and also it was something i sort of realized more and more whilst researching it and the music and the impact was yeah just how it, they really got everywhere with what they did and it's something that i don't want to say you don't see it anymore i think you do it's, it's like anything with music isn't it? it ebbs and flows and trends and but yeah they definitely were on top of the world for quite a long time a long long time yeah and and they were a band from that reason yeah and they were a band from that kind of old school productivity level if you want to call it productivity it was album tour album tour yeah you look at when the albums came out and it's like a year or two years yeah. Now, that amount of time, like three or four years can pass between a band's albums these days and you don't blink an eye. But back yeah. then, they were just ruthlessly putting them out. It's just that cycle. It was great. Mm. And for me as a fan to get, you've probably the same if you, yeah. you're you a lot younger than me. So I, I'd be interested <laughs> in how you got into them. But um, <laughs> I've always said it's great. It's, it's one thing you think, damn it, I wish I got into that band earlier. But getting in them late, I could go and buy a brand new Van Halen album every week. With True. my paper round money, just walk up. It's pretty much my paper round money, just about cover a new album each week. So I could just nice. go and buy a brand new album each week and just submerge myself. Definitely, and they were, and they were part of like a huge movement as well. In that sort of when you think of what people would call their eighties hair metal kind mm -hmm. of stuff, it's like yeah, they're up there. So as you say, you'll discover other bands. I mean, you mentioned like Extreme, for example. You know, David Lee Roth went on to do Steve Vai and all of that stuff. That's a whole other gateway. So yeah, you can just suddenly in, just envelop this world of amazing musicians and talent. Yeah. For They're sure. kind of like, I mean, I'm not a Led Zeppelin fan. I can do a whole mm. monologue about how I'm not a Led Zeppelin fan, but right. <laughs> I think Led Zeppelin, one of the first bands which came up with like the blonde lead singer, the hotshot guitar yeah. player. They are probably yeah, one of yeah. the first ones that did that. And then Van Halen took it to the next level in a way. Definitely. Definitely. And um, that became the blueprint for later on for hundreds of other bands. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like you say, they, their influence is still felt today in, in so many ways, for sure. Like you said, they're just, yeah, just so, so impactful with their music. And I had a lot of fun doing the deep dive. And even today, you know, I was obviously driving home just listening to Van Halen <laughs> all day in pre preparation for this and just been like, yeah. This what is so what was it, a best of or just a particular <laughs> just album? A, just a shuffle, honestly, today. I just felt like I just want everything, you know, and... um Obviously, we'll get into sort of albums and, and eras because that's another fascinating thing about this band yeah. is they have different eras. Um, 
to answer what you were wondering just a minute ago, my story is really simple. It's my dad. Um, And he'll probably be listening to this episode. So, hey, dad. Uh, (laughs) He was he was a massive fan of Van Halen. I think I'm probably safe in saying they're his favorite band. Yeah. And yeah, it was just always on in the car as a kid. And it was only when I got to like 10 or 11 that I then gravitated to picking up a guitar that suddenly I had a whole nother appreciation for this music that had just always been on in the background. You know, suddenly it was like, here's Eruption for the first time. And <laughs> as a guitar player, anyone who's, you know, like say so you pick up an instrument and you hear them that for the first time, you just, your mind is blown. You're yeah. like, what is this? I think you know, for me, like Eruption was an, an, not an unusual thing, but mm. almost let's talk it in relation to like films when somebody's hyping mm. a film up so much, so much, so much you know so much about it, then you eventually see the film and, oh, it, it doesn't live up to the hype. On the <laughs> other hand, Eruption, I'd heard about yeah. this thing this thing called Eruption yeah. when I eventually tracked down a copy of Van Halen 1, which I remember getting from, I think it was like from a, a record fair in mm. Derby one Sunday. Oh, it's the first Van Halen album. Put it on, yeah. just that crackle when you put drop the needle down. <laughs> it goes into Running With The Devil. And uh, what is it? Is it Running With The Devil? You really got yeah. me? Then Eruption. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no, other way around. I can't I remember. Think it, you, I think it's the second track on the album, which is yeah. just like, bang, yeah. here you go. Into, uh, yeah. you really got me. And uh, yeah, it's mm. just, oh my God. Yes, this is what everyone's talking about. This is incredible. <laughs> and I tried to learn little bits of it, but never did the whole thing. <laughs> I still struggle with it now. Um, <laughs> much closer than I was 10 years ago, but still. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's even more hard sort of soul crushing i guess when you find out that that was just a warm-up yeah. <laughs> that he was doing you're like oh <laughs> so you know we're talking about the, the the early stuff there with with david lee roth and but then your introduction as you said earlier yeah that was um that was a hagar album so i'm kind of curious like you know do you have a favorite in terms of the era because i feel like whenever you talk to someone about van halen this is usually the first thing that comes up people say oh i prefer hagar i prefer David Lee Roth, like, where do you sit on all of that? I'm, I move, I switch and I move. Um, oh, same. same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like you say, I, I initially got into the Sammy Agar era. That was the first album I got. Um, but like I say, I was just consuming it all. So mm. I think if you'd asked me in the early nineties, which was my favorite, it probably would have been the Sammy Hagar stuff. Because right. uh, that was perhaps more in line with what I was listening to, like just really commercial hard rock. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, then it just switched. The more I got into the history of the band, the just the whole energy and attitude and just what they did in those original few years, yeah, switched to the Dave stuff. And then because I was listening to Dave stuff for so long, hearing the Sammy mm. stuff later on, just dived back into that. So, yeah, it's great. Um, it's almost going in with fresh ears each time after yeah. a few years. Uh, but then I can go on about Gary Sharon stuff and all that kind of thing. Every little bit is I've enjoyed in certain ways. Yeah, and I like that because it's, it's something that's come up a few times whenever I've talked about bands on this podcast is you know, it's it's usually when they span a few decades, you get different eras, right? Because you get different sounds. And in this case, having a different vocalist really did impact the sound each time, which was really interesting to listen to. And, and I agree with you. I Whenever that comes up for me, I just say the same. I'm like, yeah, I like both. You know, I can tell you which one I prefer, but it really depends on the mood. It depends kind of what mood I'm in for the day. But like you said it in your Eddie Van Halen episode, I think mm. for the for a lot, the most part, the guitar playing and the mu- musicality oh, yeah. is still 
kind of stayed at the highest level it could be. I mean, he started ex- mm-hmm. Eddie X started experimenting more with keyboards, but mm. his, his sound was always changing. When yeah. it came to the guitars, you always knew it was Edward Van Halen, but it was always right. up for trying something different each time. So even if you didn't like Sammy Hagar's vocal or lyric choice, there, mm. there was certainly something you could take from it and enjoy it, surely. Definitely, yeah, that's it. It's it's one of those bands that I think you can appreciate them on two different levels. You know, you can get into it just as purely someone who just likes music on a surface level of like, oh yeah, these are great catchy choruses and, you know, fun riffs I can enjoy. And then when you get into it from, an, I guess, a musician's point of view, there's all these other layers to it mm-hmm. that particularly when you look at, I think when you look at all of the members really, but yeah, when you sort of, whatever one you hone in on, I would argue there's something there definitely for, for everyone to enjoy. I don't know. I think it's been brought up in a few conversations with people. Mm. It, had they continued with David Lee Roth, I don't know if they'd have survived as well in that late 80s period. Um, Point, actually, yeah. I, th- I think the Sammy stuff was perfect for the time. Now, yeah. you can you can listen to it with fresh ears, whether you found out um, about them in the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, 25 years. You're still mm. way past when Sammy joined. Um, but at that time, it was perfect for the big bombastic MTV that was happening. It just kind of, I think they just transitioned just right, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's true. Definitely. Like you said, there was a bit more synth. It was a bit more, I think, bigger choruses they were really going for. And it works. I mean, I I put a clip in the episode and it's still one of my favorite Van Halen songs is, you know, why can't this be love? Because it's Mm -hmm. such a banger and you hear it and you, you can't help but just want to sing along to it. it. You know, it's kind of a big 90s cheesy ballad and you're like, yeah, but that's what was selling at the time and that's what was popular. Yeah. And also, more to the point, that's clearly what they enjoyed writing mm-hmm. at the time. It was, like you say, the experimentation. It was like, well, we just want to do a bit of this now. And, yeah, but it's still a very you know. unique song, the time signature. Yeah. I mean, Alex's drumming mm. is just crazy throughout the entire <laughs> Van Halen catalogue, really. Oh, sorry, I swore True. there. You'll have to that's be better. Right. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, it's, it's the time signatures and stuff. When you listen to yeah. it, it's like, all over the place so um it really is yeah no you're right and it's it still fascinates me listening back to it or even the you know the vocal choices of, of hagar because that's the other thing you now david lee roth obviously one of the great voices just of all time you could you could argue but you know sammy hagar wasn't just a fill-in guy you know I, I, when you sort of look back and i again i found interviews and clips of them talking about getting him in the band and how just excited uh, Alex and Eddie were to have him on board because he did have a fantastic range, you know, on his voice and still does. Still <laughs> does, yeah, part. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and again, you could you could say the same with um, Gary Sharon. You know, again, it's like they they weren't just bringing in somebody to be like, well, you'll do. You know, <laughs> they wanted somebody that had a great range and an ability, something that would no doubt inspire them when it came to writing yeah. songs. And I think that's what felt out a note because I've said this. Uh, uh, bunch of times as well mm. like your dad i think van halen are my all-time favorite band right i also hate my favorite band because of all the i mean regardless <laughs> of um i mean obviously with eddie's um illness in the last couple yeah. of years of his life that's understandable but mm. i'm not excusing them for the couple of decades before then because they were terrible at the whole marketing <laughs> thing <laughs> they yeah. really were they really were yeah I know for a fact that Eddie couldn't have cared less about that whole thing. That just wasn't mm. his thing. He was all about the music. So my point yeah. being that 
because it was all about the music, when they got someone like Sammy on board, it just mm. opened things up for them just to do more and more. And I think Eddie said, it might have been on your episode, actually, mm. he could play anything and he knew Sammy could sing to it. There was, there was yeah. no limit to where they could go. Yeah, exactly. And as you say, it's they were in a really interesting and unique place, I think, for a, a band of that era because... I thought what you just said a minute ago is such a great observation that, yeah, they were in the 80s, then moving into the 90s. And that is such a transition in terms of the sound that was popular. You kind of the end of the 80s, it was almost like the end of the hair metal era, you know, and you can look at countless examples of other bands that are in a similar level that struggled, I think, to transition and just waned. Whereas you kind of feel like Van Halen, at least for the most part in the 90s, managed to hold on to that and... Yeah, by sort of evolving, I guess, and adapting somewhat. So it does make for a really interesting listen through, definitely. Yeah, I mean, still getting number one albums in, what was it, 94, mm. 95. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think on the flip side of that, you could argue that I think certain bands reach a certain level where they kind of mm. encapsulate legendary status. So it's going to take a while for them to get knocked off that top spot, which happened to Van Halen a few years later. Um, yeah, with Van Halen yeah. three, but um, mm. when Balance came out, they were still flying high at the top of the game, and there was that demand for that style of music, at least from those big legacy acts. Definitely, yeah, and like you said, it, it, they did peter out, and I addressed it, and it's funny because you know, for, for for my life, my experience, like the one Van Halen album that I remember being released and being excited about was the very last one. Okay, which is quite different for a lot of people. You know, but that's because I'm 27, so don't hate me. But, <laughs> you know, that was like, oh, cool. I get to have a Van Halen album released. And and a know, classic to... sounding Van Halen album as oh, well. It's still one that I love today. Yeah. I still think it's incredible. And, you know, it's it's one that I find fascinating to listen to and look back upon as well, because it, you know, it's David Lee Roth returning to the band, but it's also Wolfgang, Eddie's son, taking mm -hmm. on and all the stuff that, comes with that and you know I, I found that sort of quite interesting as well I'm sure you've noticed this as well of being a fan of the band it's like the family politics of it all does kind of I don't know it seems to rile a lot of people up for reasons that I don't fully understand you know I kind of just think leave them to it who cares yeah again <laughs> it's, it's Van Halen yeah you could you could dig into it from do, many yeah. many different levels I've got my mm. um because I am the biggest Michael Anthony fan on the planet. Yeah. Uh, the guy can never put a foot wrong in my no. book. No, no, I totally agree. And he's he's definitely another one. Again, if you get into it, such an integral part of that mm. of that band for the longest time. And, you know, yeah, it was a shame to see him have to step away from it all. But, I mean, the songs are still there, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you go back, it's I mean, if you there. if you want to get into the... Um... I'm happy Parts to, yeah, because um, I'm, I'm I just curious like, what your sort of thoughts are with, yeah, with all uh, of it. Um, I mean, when it happened, I mean, when when did Wolfgang come back into the band? My timeline uh, days of the last 20 years are a bit skewed and all uh, over the place. So I'm thinking... I'm my old show notes. Um. 05-ish, 2005, <laughs> something like that. I saw them in 2004 on the last Sammy Agar tour. So it right. was probably the following... Or yeah. maybe, maybe even later, probably about 05... 06 because they did the reunion tour in 07 yeah i think it was late 07 going into mm. 2008 i think so, it was around that time yeah yeah so um it was obviously the internet was still big but 
people weren't mm. dissecting things as much and we just got this sure. thing that Mike was out and Wolfgang was in. And mm. my initial thing was, well, if Mike's out, then if you're going to replace him with anybody, you're going to replace him with a Van Halen. How cool is that? In one yeah. Way. Then you kind of started hearing things that he, Michael Anthony found out the same time everybody else did. And you're like, wow, mm. that's a bit strange. And then you're hearing stuff about um, uh, Mike having to take a cut of pay on the last Sammy Hagar tour because mm. he, he wanted to do the tour, but they said the only way you're going to do it is to take a cut in pay and drop all, some of your rights to the Van Halen um, history, if you like, album sales and all this kind of stuff. It's like, wow, what went down there? Mm. Um, and apparently it's because on downtime, he carried on playing with Sammy and the brothers didn't like that. You were either mm. with the brothers who you, or you weren't. Um, mm. So I was like, dang, that's pretty tough. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's certain yeah. elements of it, which I'm like, it could have been handled a lot better. <laughs> I'd agree. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? I didn't I didn't touch too much on it in the episode because it wasn't really relevant to what I was doing. Yeah, but yeah. Looking at it, the the politics, it, it's something that I think you get in all of these bands. Mm -hmm. You know, from you throw know, family in there as well. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> just off the top of my head, other bands in that same area, you know, Metallica, Guns and Roses, Bon Jovi, all of them have the same kind of stories where egos get in the way. And as you say, throw family in. Oasis, those two have not spoken to each yes. other for years. And you're like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah, we talked about that. Do it for your mum. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that a few months ago. And exactly, it's the same thing when you're like, really? But it's, yeah, it's kind of wild how these things happen. And mm -hmm. um, But then again, I think fame does that to people, right? And large sums of money and all this stuff. So I kind of get it. That where I draw the line with all of that, though, is I think regardless of what you think of how someone like Michael, for example, is treated, or to an extent, Hagar or David Lee Roth, depending on which point in their mm -hmm. history you're looking at, because yeah. all, of, all of them got it wrong <laughs> at some point. You can look at it and go, oh, none of that was good. That's not an excuse to be mean to Wolfgang. You know, like, he's a guy, I think he's about the same age as me, the cheeky little so-and-so, but, you know, <laughs> but, no, he's, you look at him and you're like, he's just doing you know, what he's been asked to do. And he's had an amazing, obviously, musical education. And the guy can play. You oh, know, he's I think, playing is insane. I mean, um, I just to kind of tangent off a little bit, I think I mentioned in the episode, I, I was fortunate enough to see him play bass touring with uh, Mark Tremonti, and I was blown away. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can keep up with that guy, yeah, you've got my respect. Um, and I watched some live performances, you know, when they did tour... Uh, different kind of truth and again he played all the he got it all oh, he's stunning. down he's stunning you know and um, his solo album as well which i don't know if you've heard that yeah. yet it's it's incredible it's absolutely and he incredible. plays everything it is a true solo album exactly um, yeah and so i know he's been very vocal about that online about the fact that he still gets people kind of basically gatekeeping his own family mm. legacy which i find kind of hilarious but also really upsetting so it's like that's his family you know, regardless of what you think of the politics, it's not his fault. You know yeah. what I mean? He just grew up in it. And, you know, if we're being real here for a second, like his dad died of cancer. Like that's, that's horrendous. So for people to come out of the woodwork and 
try and you know blame him for all of that stuff yeah. with Michael Anthony. A lot of the time, like, he doesn't help ago, himself. You're like, well, oh no, I agree. He bites like, a little too easily. He does bite. He does. Yeah. Like the flip side. Yeah. The flip side. I was saying earlier. Eddie yeah, yeah. didn't care about any of the. I was saying oh, yeah. like, I hate my favorite band because I never heard what they was doing. Um, yeah. Mm. And Eddie just he just stayed well, out I've of it. Stayed out yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes Wolfgang could maybe do that. <laughs> True. Um, well, but in his yeah. defense, in his defense, I have to say, mm. as much as um, if what I've said about Michael Anthony leaving the band is true and whether mm. people agree on it or not, I'm pretty sure from what I think it's pretty um, accurate to say that mm. um, at that point in time, Van Halen was over anyway. And it was yeah. Wolfgang who brought the two brothers back together again and said, oh, do you want to jam? And mm. he, that's when he started playing bass. I think he said something in an interview, like he learned the songs in just a couple of nights. They'd arranged a jam session. Mm. And they, I think Eddie says, oh, pick some songs and we'll jam them. Mm. Um, so that was the reason that we had at least, well, that's the reason we had a different kind of truth. That's why we had a last Van Halen album. So fair play to him for bringing the band back in that way. Yeah. And again, patching up things with, David E. Roth, you think, okay, yeah, not good that Hagar and, you know, Michael Anthony <laughs> didn't seem to get things. It's like, it's always like, oh, we can't have one without the other, can they? They yeah. can't all get along at the same time, which is a shame. But the fact that, as you say, they were able to patch things up there was was really cool. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, prior to that, they hadn't done a lot together. I think they did half a tour or something yeah. and it didn't really end well. So the fact that, like you said, fair play to the kid you know he was a kid at the time mm-hmm. be able to bring everyone together and smooth that out i think yeah. that's one thing and yeah it's just one of those things isn't it with with all these rock star egos it's you have to roll your eyes sometimes a little bit and think oh come on but then again we can we can say that from our position yeah. here I, I can't imagine what it's like being in that no. position you're making those kinds of huge multi-million dollar decisions some of them you know can't I can't say I'd always get it right. I don't I no. don't think. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just I think to me it's just one of the more interesting things about the band. You can look at it like that. You can go, yeah, it's just a bit of colourful history, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that the music's still awesome. Oh, always. It's you know. I, I don't know if I've got a least um, favorite Van Halen album. To be honest, mm. I could I could take something from every single one. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I've, I can't say I remember much of three, but it doesn't mean it's bad. I just, it wasn't very well marketed, I think, at the time. Yeah, it was, um, it's strange because, like I said at the beginning of the conversation, I was into mm. bands such as Extreme before I got into Van Halen. So yeah. when I found out they'd got Gary Sharon as the singer, I was like, mm. this is the best thing ever, to be mm. honest. And at the time, there was a, a Van Halen magazine out called, I think it was The Inside, it was called, which is... Um, is, right. is that the last track on 5150, The Inside? It might be something uh, like that. It's it a really weird be. keyboard sound, a quick yeah. keyboard song. Um, and for a very short while of a couple of years, there was a Van Halen magazine called The Inside. So that was your direct contact to the band. And um, I remember the issue coming, and it had loads of interviews all about what was happening with Gary getting into the band. And I think they had a chat with Pat Badger, the bass player from Extreme, because he got to visit 5150 Studios. Nice. And uh, he's there with the Frankenstrat guitar and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, mm. so in. But then I had that. Well, I had the single without you. I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. I like this. It's, mm. it's a bit different, but it's got this great chorus. Then I had the album. And I was like, mm, it's something's not quite sitting 
quite right. But then I started to see footage from the tour. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. This is great. So, And then they announced some UK dates. I think they announced three or four shows. And this was back yeah. when you had to ring up the box office to book a ticket. And yeah, I was ringing yeah. the NEC at Birmingham that morning. And I got front row seats. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fair play. Which is great. <laughs> but then you drive down on the day of the gig. It's a bit quiet. There's maybe oh. two dozen people here. Oh, the gig's been cancelled. Alex oh, has no. had some at the previous gig or gig a couple of nights before. Some of the, well, this is the story. This is like a bit of a Motley Crue snow on the ceiling kind of story, I think. But right. apparently some plaster fell from the ceiling during a sound check and hit Alex. So oh, they cancelled the tour. I'm like, you are kidding me. No. <laughs> I'd have been uh... front row in front of Michael Anthony. I'm gutted. And that set list that they were doing at the time, mm. all, because Sammy, didn't wasn't wasn't singing Dave songs. He'd do Jump, Panama, yeah. Ain't Talking About Love, and that was pretty much all you got. I think we saw him do mm. a verse and a chorus of Unchained on the ninety, well, whatever the Right Here Right Now tour was, but that was about it. But Gary just brought mm. all the songs from the back catalogue out, and that would have been amazing to see. So yeah. my hopes for Van Halen at that point would have been to at least have done another album after that tour because I think it would have been mm. a whole different ball game because they'd have really gelled. Get a, get a better producer on because I don't know if you know yeah. the story. They got Mike, what was it? Um, it's the guy who did the A-Team uh, Oh, theme really? Team. Yeah. I can't oh, think of his name. Oh Mike goodness. somebody. Uh, was it Mike that, Clink? Uh, you could be right. Be I'm not sure. But... Yeah, but of a strange one. But mm. everyone says it's Eddie Van Halen's solo album, Van Halen 3 is. He's just... Yeah. Yeah, I could hear that. That that was the thing I got from it was because yeah. I I hadn't heard of it prior. So well, right. I knew I knew of it. But I'd never. It was one that my dad never put on. I think because it just wasn't very memorable. Yeah, you it's know, interesting. And as, and as I was listening through it, I, that's exactly the thought I had. I was like, well, I can hear Eddie having some fun in here, but no one else seems to be exactly. Vibing. That's yeah. that's exactly what I was about to say. Because if you mm. listen to the albums in like a chronological order, especially from like well, two albums in particular, from Lawful Carnal Knowledge and Balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's very much the same thing. Even yeah. the opening track on Balance, Seventh Seal, sounds like a reash of pound cake in the intro. Uh, yeah. You go back and listen to them. Uh, before the riff kicks in on the Seventh Seal verse, the intro just sounds like pound cake in a different key. Um, That's true. And, yeah. yeah. And Sammy's lyrics were getting worse and worse. They just <laughs> felt like they were just they were just on cruise control, I think. Right. But then you listen to what's happening on Van Halen 3, particularly from the guitar playing, and like Eddie's just got this crazy experimental mm. fire back again. So yeah. to hear another album after that would, I think, would have been pretty exciting, in my opinion. I think you're right. Yeah. It's it's kind of surprising that, yeah, I think between, because when was that? Was that 98, 97? Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. And then uh, Different Kind of Truth was 2012, I want to mm. say. So it's, it's like, good long chunk of time that's like chinese democracy yeah timeline. it's kind of wild that, yeah. yeah they didn't nothing else came out not even like b-sides or something you'd have thought well I th we had um, you know. what did we get we got uh well we had the greatest the whole david leather oh, coming yeah. back with the greatest it's the two songs on there which was pretty good me wise magic and can't get this stuff no more I don't which, think I remember those, but okay. okay. They're, they're tagged sense. onto the greatest hits, the best of. Right, okay. But then they did another best of in 2004 when Sammy <laughs> came back in the band. And there's a couple of new tracks on there. And uh, if Sammy's lyrics were bad on balance, he stepped it up <laughs> a gear with a, a song called Up For Breakfast, 
which right. is is terrible. I'm sorry, Sammy. I love you, but what he was doing, whoever let those lyrics fly, I have no idea. So just oh, go on dear. Google and type in "up for breakfast" lyrics, and you'll be like, "Oh my you know god!" What? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do it right now. And Why not? No music aside, I want you to read those lyrics. Oh dear. Oh dear. This is a first. Okay, here we go. Uh, oh, that first line. Oh no. <laughs> Well, she treat me like a personal Jesus. Got the hand put to rest. Gonna heal you. Uh, is in there. Uh, got the finger. Put it right there on the trigger. Well, pump it up, pump it up. Baby, make it bigger. Oh my good lord! I have to put 2004, an mate. On 2004 this. lyrics. These are these aren't like 1986 lyrics. These are like 2004. <laughs> oh, I might just have to put an explicit on this episode for the first time. I'm so sorry, anyone with children. <laughs> That is her. I'm just reading the rest of it now. Like, put that butter on my biscuit. What? I told you. What? <laughs> Cherry on banana. This is like something that like System of a Down would write. Like, yeah. but my not favorite in a good band. Way. My favorite I love, band. <laughs> I know. I know. No, no disrespect to System, by the way. I love them, but like, they could make that kind of weird stuff work. This is just cringy. I know. Oh dear, dear, dear. Never mind then. Never mind. So yeah, it's it's just weird, isn't it? How like someone could be on a completely different level, yeah, to everyone else creatively, and yeah, it kind of is a shame that it went a while, you know, between uh between things like that between albums. But mm -hmm. yeah, thankfully, I can safely say to anyone listening, if you've not heard different kind of truth. Nothing like that on the album. <laughs> I, I love the whole concept of different kind of truth that the that they went back into the archives, right? Dave's back. Let's do a classic sound in Van Halen album. And by what better way to do that than go back to some old demos? Yeah, definitely. And with all the tasty new gear that exactly. uh, Eddie had been building over yeah. the years, it's something I talked about. And obviously I know you can appreciate this as, as a player yourself of just what Van Halen did for musical gear is wild i think i mentioned it at the time like if you just take the evh amp as an example mm -hmm. that is just everywhere now like yeah. if anyone's listening to this and you're like you know you're wondering go and listen to basically any modern metal band out there now chances are they're using a version of his one of his amplifiers but then you'd see like everywhere footage from pop bands playing and the guitar players yeah. an evh yeah, yeah. amplifier there they're everywhere yeah. because they're just phenomenal i think they're one of the best sounding amps out there and yeah i mean i, I love that i love that when a, an artist can pass on their legacy not just in you know oh yeah i remember that song from the 80s of just yeah, yeah but now i've given you a tool which can now be taken and just run with it yeah. basically like the next generation whatever musical taste you like just have fun with it basically and yeah i love that about van halen you know despite all the politics mentioned earlier when the way that they were with their fans, I think, was really lovely. And the fact that, like, Eddie would just put so much time and work into something like that and then just go, there you go, yeah, have it, and not be greedy with it. And, and they're the kind of things that you can buy them for a very reasonable amount of money. Yeah, nowadays. I mean, it's, it's, it's high-end gear, but it's not out of the, your reach. You are paying. Yeah. It's like, well, that's expensive, but if I save up for it, I can get one mm. of those. Um and so, it would yeah. last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would that would just be you set basically. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's like it, it winds me up sometimes when I think a lot of these magazines or polls, which you see sometimes, I think they do it just to be clever or smart. But when I don't yeah. see him up there 
in the mm. top five. And he's, I mean, and it does happen. A lot of times he's up there mm. in like the one, two or three. But every now and again, you'll see one of these polls that come out where he's like eight or nine in the greatest guitar players of all time. I'm like, oh, come yeah. on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's, yeah. It feels a little clickbaity, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. And, um, and like I say, it's not just the guitar playing, it's the gear and the sound and everything. It's, it's more than having a couple of hit singles doing some clever mm. guitar work. It's the whole thing which he contributed to playing, which is just going to carry on yeah, forever. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, particularly in the early albums, there's such a great <sighs> like DIY kind of approach to all of it. You know, yeah. the sound, the recording. You know, I mentioned it in the, in the episode just with guitars, like getting too nerdy. You know, the fact that this Frankenstrat, you know, people can Google it. It's so iconic and so famous. He just built that on a kitchen table but used it to record some of these amazing tracks and songs. And it's, yeah. but it, it's inspiring to people at home. They you know, might be thinking, oh, I can't spend thousands of pounds on a you know, high-end expensive customer guitar. It's like, you don't need to. Yeah, and it's you such know, a contrast to together. what he achieved. It's like, yeah. he had like, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. like say, this DIY barely holding together thing, but he created mm. this out of this world music that you'd never imagine you could create just on no. a guitar it's like that's a guitar you sure it's not a keyboard or some weird yeah. special effect thing most of the time it was just fingers guitar lead amp he could get yeah. that from just that that's it it was but it was so accessible it's it's yeah. sort of a weird contrast with mm. them because you listen to it and you think oh that sounds really technical and you're like yeah it is but what he's using to create it is very very accessible yeah. and it's again it's quite inspiring in that way and it's not overdub 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 to make this massive sound no a lot of the time it effectively sounds like a band recording on the floor all together mm. everything's split just really nice in the mix and you can pick out every instrument but yeah that's a band playing yeah and listen to what the what the sound they're getting absolutely i think to throw back to a recent guest uh stay metal ray we were talking a little bit about Van Halen, about because his big thing, and I thought it was such a good point, was when artists sort of are all about capturing a moment, mm. you know, and, and getting the feel of a song. And Van Halen is a great example of that in the first yeah. couple because, it, like you say, it was basically like a live recording. They just set it up, recorded in the room together yeah. because they wanted it to be, from what I found out, they wanted it to basically be like, here's what our live shows sound like. Yeah. So, and that's, I just think it's so good. I think it's such a great approach to, to writing an album and it gets you excited, right? I mean, yeah. you, you hear that for the first time and, and you think, oh, I'd love to see this live. You know? <laughs> I'd love to see that in the rehearsal room. <laughs> yeah, it's like you just want to, you, you feel like it, don't you? You feel like you yeah. just fly on the wall yeah. just watching these guys bounce off each other and it, it feels like the kind of thing which lends to a little bit more of an improvisational style mm -hmm. as well. You mentioned earlier, like Alex, for example, with his drumming, doing all these wild, crazy fills sometimes and, Eddie would just sort of run off and do other stuff as well. and it, But they could bounce off each other. And I think that probably had that advantage of being in the room together yeah. and recording and just you're in a moment and you go, I'm going to do this and just do a little yeah. bit of improvisation. But because you're all together, you're not thrown off. You're just like, okay, you just go with it. And fair play to David Lee Roth to come up with lyrics and melodies over the top of that stuff as well. <laughs> oh, goodness, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you listen to an instrumental Van Halen track, it's like, where do you start with coming up with something? And he could come up with something catchy yeah. to go over the top of it. It's crazy. I, I, th I think most of us would just kind of stand back and just be like, mm. you guys carry on. 
Okay, yeah, it's good. It, it's cool. it sounds fine without lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll just shut up and watch. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so but, good. But going back to uh, briefly on like, like you say, playing in, on the floor and like you say, I, I'd love to have seen him in the rehearsal rooms. I think one of my favorite Van Halen photos, I don't know if it's from, it might be from Van Halen 2. It might be from the first album, I don't know, but it's like a, a shot from the rehearsal room and you'd think it was set up to look all rock and roll, but I think it's just a genuine shot and mm. I don't know if you've seen the photos where Eddie used to have his effects rack in the old World War Two bomb. Have you ever seen I that? Th- yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's in the background, there's beer <laughs> cans everywhere. It's just the best, just captures a real moment. I love that kind of stuff. It's priceless. That should be up there yeah. with like iconic... Um, band images with all your Led Zeppelins and Rolling Stones and mm. Jimi Hendrix and all that kind of thing. You should slap that Van Halen one in there as well from the rehearsal room because I think it's up there. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, it's it's so good. And it's something that, again, I, I just find fascinating about them is their ability to use the extreme skills that they had, you know, because, what again, what they're playing on instrumental level is so technical, Mm-hmm. but it's accessible yeah. you know it doesn't it, i feel like some bands it's it's really hard to get that line isn't it you know usually kind of more technical stuff finds a niche audience because yeah. it's harder to find a groove or a beat or just the kind of stuff that we all look to when we're just listening to music and it felt like they knew how to toe that line yeah. perfectly of you know yeah okay he's going to be over here doing the widdly widdlies as we like to say and all this crazy stuff but oh there's a there's like a groove yeah. in there. There's like a bluesy beat. There's something in there that I can relate to and I can sing along to. And, and the girls love it as well. David Lee Roth <laughs> knew what would make the girls get up and dance. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, it all kind of culminates. Again, listening to those early albums in particular, it not only does it feel like being at a gig, but it feels like being on a gig that's just fun. Yeah. Like you can imagine it would just be a lot of fun like everyone's yeah. just dancing and having a good time it's such a strange thing because like you say there's such musicianship in there and mm. in a way they could have just gone off in a rush tangent uh, right yeah extremely like proggy and technical yeah, yeah and just all i'm coming i know i'm probably sounding really old and stuff but it's just been yeah. all dudes at the gig like most no, of r- rush gigs but van halen yeah. just tapped into something they just brought the party mm. and that's yeah. what made them such an iconic band i think and just set them to create that legacy because everybody loved them. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's it's not very often you get a band like that and people with that caliber of of uh, technical ability that then end up on the radio doing yeah. number one hits. It's it's quite rare to see these days. It's like I'm not I'm not just picking on because I love them, but I can't imagine Dream Theater, you know, releasing no. a song and it ends up on the radio. As, yeah. as amazing as it is, by the way, like if you've not listened to Dream Theater, go and check them out. They're phenomenal. But it's that kind of music, like you mentioned, Rush. Rush is another great yeah. example. Phenomenal, phenomenal musicians, all of them. But it's hard to bring that to a mass yeah. audience. You might again... get the odd anomaly song, Spirit of the Radio, right. becomes a hit. But sure. to have yeah, that yeah. consistency like Van Halen did for, well, mm. for the best part of two decades, I would imagine, if I get my maths yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Consistent radio hit, for, at least from every album. It's, it's a feat in itself, really, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's truly phenomenal. I'm wondering, did you ever get a chance to see them live then? Because you missed out on that one uh, back in the late 90s there, but yeah. was there anything else that came up, another yeah. chance? Uh, first time I saw them live was on, I'll probably get my people can correct me on what year it was. I think it was, 
I think it might have been 93, actually. I think I might have said okay. like 94, 95 earlier, but when they came over for the Right Here, Right Now tour uh, in oh, support sweet. of the live album, uh, they did a short run of dates on that one. So um, we Very saw them nice. there at the NEC with Little Angels supporting. Um, then it was the cancelled... Oh, no, hang on. So then they came back and opened for Bon Jovi in 95 nice i saw him twice on that one because they, they were my favorite band it's like i've got to yeah. see him as many times as possible so saw Can them at, yeah <laughs> saw them at wembley stadium with bon jovi and at don valley stadium both yeah. great gigs and loads it's ever so weird because you can put this on put this out into the internet now and anyone from america sees that van halen are opening for bon jovi they can't get their heads around it they're like that's the craziest <laughs> thing i've ever seen in my life but it made perfect sense i mean to yeah. Joe Public over here, they knew Jump and Why Can't This Be Love. That's it. That's as yeah. big as Van Halen got to most of the British public. Um, so for them to open for Bon Jovi, the, potentially the biggest rock band in the world, in stadiums, it's a no-brainer. Mm. So um, yeah. that was really great. Then, um, yeah, the ill-fated Van Halen 3 tour, didn't see that. Then flew to America to see him in 2004 on the Sammy Agar tour in Florida. Nice. Then the last... Yeah, the last time I saw them was 2008 on the David Lee Roth reunion in Dallas, Texas. So wow. I am that mad that I fly to another country to go and see them. But I, I kind mm. of, oh, I'm going on a holiday and Van Halen just <laughs> happened to be playing. <laughs> yeah, the first I've ever gone for that was Muse in Dublin. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good time. Uh, but, you know, an hour's flight, not quite all the way to the States, although yeah. I would love to do that someday. Um, yeah, it's a great shame of, of mine that I've never never got to see Van Halen. I was really hoping uh, after the different kind of truth, you know, mm -hmm. I sort of missed that cycle. And then I was like, fingers crossed, like, come on, they're going to yeah. do another one. They're going to do another one. Or they're going to play a festival and do something. I'm pretty sure Andy you Coppin know. from Download Festival tried to get them every single year. I I'm think, yeah, there was, sure. yeah, it was, I mean, I love Download and there were rumors every year that they were going to do it. But it, it's one of those things looking back with hindsight, I kind of understand now, obviously why, things wound down and went because it went really quiet yeah and it was really hard to get any kind of information or be like so are they touring are they going to mm -hmm. do anything and even i think david eroff was very quiet yeah. and it, it now makes sense because yeah. obviously eddie was sadly battling cancer and so you totally understand why they just would have stepped completely away yeah and even and when David Lee Roth does sp say something, it's very cryptic anyway, so it's hard to... True, the guy's a bit channel. of an enigma. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where do you stand on Dave Solo stuff, if you don't mind me asking? I think it's all right. Again, my dad's a big fan. Like, yeah. so, so his era really was um, was David Lee Roth. I mean, he even told me when he saw them play with Sammy Hagar, it might have been on that 95 tour, I think, um, that he felt was a bit of a disappointment yeah. that they didn't play a lot of the back catalogue and... Uh. He was like, he said it was still awesome, you know, watching Eddie play Eruption. He was like, absolutely box ticked. That's, you yeah. know, bucket list. But yeah, he did say like it was a bit of a shame that he didn't get to hear that. And yeah, he was a big, big fan. And that was another album of mine. I think, what was the first David Lee Roth album? Eat Him and Smile. Eat Him and Smile. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was, that was like the Van Halen one and two. That yeah. was heavy rotation in the car for me. And that was another guitar hero I was introduced to. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's this guy called Steve Vai. And I'm like, who's that? And, you know, listening to that album and going, oh, this is someone else. And then you're off into the weeds with yeah. that guy. And yeah, I think he's been really solid. I, I must admit, I'm not too familiar with everything sort of after that. I know there was, was it Hang'em High? What was the other one where it's 
like he's there's a guy climbing a rock oh skyscraper face. skyscraper yeah skyscraper is the other one i quite like and then after that i don't really yeah. know you know, it's, it's yeah it's an interesting timeline on dave's stuff uh, yeah yeah it's 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 worth checking out because i think skyscraper is my will, least yeah. favorite album of his to be honest because i didn't okay. that's like very synthy based it's got like just like paradise on there which is great and there's a really yeah. cool acoustic song on there called uh damn good um which is really cool but the album after that a little ain't enough which people say is where things mm. started to crumble um that's one of my favorite albums. If you wanted a Van Halen mm. sound in David Lee Roth's solo album, I'd point okay. you towards A Little Ain't Enough because I think it's great. Uh, but yeah. again, that might be the time where I was heavily into music and my most formative time. So perhaps I've got a soft spot for anything that came out in that time period. But then after that album, he did one called Your Filthy Little Mouth, which kind of signaled a real transition where he's going into more almost country sounding stuff. But there's still right. some really great songs. And to be fair, our Dave's voice is kind of, I mean, he doesn't sing like he used to. I would mm. have preferred him to stick in that kind of more smoky lounge singer vibe because I think that suits his voice better because I find mm. recent Van Halen stuff live pretty painful to listen to. And uh, I love David Lee Roth. I think he's incredible. Uh, mm. But I don't know. You see a lot of singers doing that, though. They try and outsing themselves. And uh, yeah, I'd have preferred Dave to go with the husky, smoky lounge singer vibe. If you listen to a song on mm. A Little Ain't Enough called Sensible Shoes, it's an okay. incredible song. It's totally different to anything else. But it's like, yeah, that's that's pure Dave. It really yeah. is. So okay. definitely worth checking out. I will. I will. It's yeah. I, there's a lot for me to go and listen to. I've had a bunch of albums recently that I've saved on Spotify to go yeah. and listen to. And yeah, I'll definitely go because go back to that because um, yeah. From what I remember of listening to those other albums, I really enjoyed them. And yeah, it's just nice to hear his his different take on it. I do yeah. agree with you as well on the voice side of it. It's, I mean, of course, he was famous for hitting crazy high notes, you know, in the early days, and happens to a lot of singers. I think is mm -hmm. they'll struggle to get that later on in life especially if they probably didn't really understand how they yeah. were doing it or how to look after their voice properly or and um yeah dave was famous for partying hard so i can imagine <laughs> he's probably done a bit of damage yeah. <laughs> um but there you go <laughs> have you ever seen the documentary of this sammy and dave tour which happened in the i don't know when would that be the early 2000s where I they toured together yeah. sammy yeah. agar and david lee roth on the same co-headlining tour is it? I, I haven't seen that and I, I do want to watch it just because I'm curious to see the dynamics of how that order played out yeah it time. all fell apart eventually oh, obviously but, <laughs> yeah but there's a cool little documentary on it on uh, I think MTV followed the tour for a while so yeah there's quite a nice little documentary about it uh, it's quite interesting how that all plays out so people should check that mm. out yeah I think if I remember researching that at the time it yeah I think towards the end it did kind of get out of hand i think because you can you can immediately see it that they would both be trying to outplay each other probably. exactly yeah and yeah that must have been a bit frustrating for everybody else in the middle to be like guys we just we just want to play a good set. show yeah could we just could we not but <laughs> yeah you also think why would you think it's a good idea <laughs> to do that <laughs> it's too many egos yeah it's too many on one stage um, and to that point yeah i guess uh sammy i mean to be fair sammy's also had a decent solo career i mean mm -hmm. i think in spite of those horrendous lyrics I read earlier, you know, I mean, Chicken Foot with Joe Satriani, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, you yeah. Know? 
Um, I say I liked a lot of his solo stuff. I I always think that um, like I say I was saying earlier that Sammy's lyrics kind of around balance. Mm. It felt like he was just on cruise control a little bit. Yeah, and I think I don't, I, don't, I, can't, I think there's two sides. Either left Van Halen or got kicked out. Um, mm. But I think it put a fire up his behind when that happened because I saw a change in how he approached things. He he became very more open and very fan friendly. I think it perhaps scared yeah. him a little bit when he found out he was out on his own. Um, and it kind of stepped him up a little gear for a while. And then he realized that people like this lovable Sammy Agar character. And he, he really plays to that and fair play to him. It comes across great. And with Michael mm-hmm. Anthony on his side as well. Um, yeah. I thought it's great that they still play all those Van Halen songs. Um, with so much passion and love for them. Um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? If we've talked about it before with Oasis as an example, Slash, you know, I've seen live a few times, Miles, and they still play the old GNR stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, there is something about that, isn't that? When you're an artist, you, you know, go into a solo project or something. I, I can understand why some people might be like, well, I don't want to go anywhere near my previous band. But at the same time, you think, yeah, but there's people in the crowd that would really love to hear you, you know, belt that one out. Yeah, so you and think, be honest with yourself, that's what sold most of your tickets that Exactly, night. <laughs> yeah. Like, people are showing up because they want to hear, you know, um, why can't this be love? Yeah. They're not They're not necessarily here for your solo album just yet. Like, you've got to <laughs> got to yeah. earn that respect. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, just, I think it's kind of, it is cool that at least those guys managed to have a career outside of a band because it's something that you hear about often as well, right, is... I mean, I think of uh, like Jason Newstead, for example, of Metallica mm-hmm. or uh, what's his name? Stephen Adler, Guns N' Roses, yeah. you know, these guys that fall out of these bands at this peak and unfortunately never really seem to have much to do yeah. outside of it. You know, they, they, they get by, I think, but it's never quite the same. So it's nice that, like you say, someone like David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar were able to have their own careers outside of Van mm-hmm. Halen and, and still it- do pretty well. It's interesting you mentioned Jason Newstead there because his name was thrown mm. in the Van Halen mix a few months ago. Did you see all that? Really? So, yeah. I did not. Um, okay. I can't remember where that news came from. I think... Who, what? Is that oh, news J- or was that a rumour mill? No, I think it's pretty true. <laughs> oh, it was Newstead that okay. actually said it. Um, I don't know whether he should have done, but uh, um, he said he'd been in talks with um, Alex Van Halen and Joe Satriani to do... Recently? Van Halen. <sighs> Ooh, don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, mm. uh, which okay. is a bit strange. Um, I don't know. I think it would have been handled if whether it be like a couple of shows or something like that. But yeah, the name was certainly in the mix. And I think it's been confirmed mm. that it did actually happen, um, which is a bit strange, really. It but, is a bit uh, strange. Yeah. But then we've just had news about a Pantera reunion with, you know, without the two key members, I would argue, of the mm-hmm. band. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. Who knows? They I, might I, do something. I just hope they do do some kind of tribute show in some way. Uh, yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, Newstead on bass and Satriani on a guitar, that's not a bad lineup, is it? You know, like... <laughs> it is, but I mean, if Mike Lanton is available, come on. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's right if, there, guys. <laughs> if Wolfgang's not interested in doing it, but... Did you hear mm. much of the rumours about the... I think there was dubbing it the Kitchen Sink Tour prior to Eddie falling ill again. Did you hear much about that? Yeah, Real. again, it was it was very quiet. There was bits and pieces coming through, but I, I don't I didn't really think I paid much attention yeah. to any of it because I just felt like, oh, it's just rumours. Yeah, I think it was pretty much ready to pull the trigger on it and it would be like... Oh, okay. It would be... I think it would be the final Van Halen hurrah and we'll get Dave, mm. Sammy. I think it was on about getting Gary as well and just... 
interchanging singers and that would have just been it wow. would have been great yeah again it's, it's just it is so tragic that mm-hmm. you know it all ended like that and yeah just again an absolute loss mm-hmm. you know genuinely genuinely awful it's um, the one that's kicked me more than anybody in the as i get older oh, yeah. more and more of my heroes are passing away but that's been the mm. one um still to this day when i think about it it's hard to mm. think that he's gone really because i don't mm. know it's weird perhaps because he was such a quiet person as well he wasn't um he was if there's anybody i could like want to meet at any point it i think if he'd have got me in a corner and said who is it you get to pick one person i think it would have been eddie van halen i think oh definitely yeah. and then something that i was really touched by was as i was putting together my little you know tribute for him i was on youtube looking at all of these different guys that i you know i love all these different musicians and so many stories were coming out and all of them were positive mm-hmm. and there was so much nice stuff of people just saying how lovely and personable he was and you know people would stop him and ask for an autograph or a photo yeah. or something and he'd always give people the time of day or like I heard one story of a guy who used to work in a guitar shop and Eddie walked in you know with with Wolfgang when he was just a little lad wanting to learn the drums and this guy sort of trying to play something and Eddie just sat down with him and was just like hey do you want some tips and we was just yeah. like and obviously the poor bloke was like, uh. <laughs> but I mean, imagine that a private lesson with Eddie Van Halen, yeah. but I get no like, you know, oh, I want money for this or any, no, no ego, yeah. nothing. Just kind of like, oh, you sound pretty good. Why don't you try this? Yeah. this? I found this helped me. And I just can't imagine that. I couldn't imagine just being that in that position, but yeah. that's the kind of guy he was. Like you said, no frills, just kind of happy to stop and chat and help people. I think Wolfgang's gone on record though, to say that he was the worst guitar teacher possible oh yeah <laughs> he's like what do you mean you can't play this straight away it was yeah, that yeah. kind of thing <laughs> can only imagine yeah. but i love that it's always nice to hear that about your heroes that they are down to earth. i think despite of all the egos with mm-hmm. the bands back and forth and all that nonsense that it seems on a very human level he was just a guy and he yeah. was just quite happy to stop and chat and yeah, not make too yeah. much of a fuss about himself. Yeah. Which I think he had his demons for a while, which you heard lots oh, of stories yeah. about on the... I think it's particularly on that 2004 um, ill-fated Sammy Hagar reunion um, where it was, Eddie was off the rails. I mean, I'm not putting yeah. the guy down, but I think it's quite an interesting story that the fact yeah. that if you, you knew where he was on each particular gig, depending on what hairstyle he had. Now, if yeah. he, I think it was sort of like if he had his hair down, it was going to be all right. But there's a few gigs where he did like this weird samurai ponytail. Right. And they said if the samurai ponytail came out, you knew you were in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I think but, I mean, mentioned, they're, yeah. they're really cool, like rock and roll stories. I think it's I think it's fun to hear that kind mm. of stuff. In hindsight, um, mm. after he got straightened up and before all the cancer rubbish and all that kind of horrible stuff, he, he did really uh, straighten himself out and get back on track. And you saw all those photos of him looking really healthy and happy yeah. which were great to see absolutely yeah and you know I, I even noticed actually when i went back even further than that to would have been the 80s and he, he does an interview with a new custom guitar i think it was the beretta um and you can tell something's off mm-hmm. and it's because fortunately he was you know he was struggling with alcoholism yeah. at the time and you know it's it's one of those it's sort of a tragic thing that i think haunts a lot of famous people in all kinds of genres mm-hmm. because you end up just surrounded by yes people don't yeah. you and if you're struggling with an illness like that 
you're not going to have people around you that go, oh, no, 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 put that down. You need to sober up. They're going to go, yeah, give them a six pack, whatever makes them yeah. go on, on stage. And, you know, there's plenty of stories like that. But like you say, I guess the silver lining was, yeah, I was pleased to read that after that period in the early 2000s, he went and cleaned himself up yeah. and just seemed a lot happier and healthier yeah. after all of that. And you think, oh, thank goodness for that. It seemed least... to have this really cool like relationship as well because I know he got married again. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, him and Valerie were still obviously very well connected because of Wolfgang mm. and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And then, then you kind of started hearing them stories later on that him and Sammy Agar had reconnected as well and he'd built yeah. bridges and all that kind of stuff between which I'd like to believe and hope that's true. I know Sammy can yeah. uh, magnify stuff and make it <laughs> <laughs> much bigger, but I like to think that happened and they were talking to each other, whether it just over text message and stuff like that, which is pretty cool to hear yeah i really hope so too man and this all the stuff with him and wolfgang is so heartwarming like if mm. people haven't seen the videos it's really sweet just seeing how much he just loved being a dad and loved hanging out and yeah oh god that distance you know. video kills me every time oh mate that's why i put it in there because it came out just i think not long before i put the finishing touches on and i won't lie i just bawled my eyes out yeah. when i saw that video i was just like oh not only is this song incredibly moving but just all the home footage it was like and it drops the answer phone message at the end and you're now, like, oh and my I'm, god yeah exactly man i mean i'm thinking about it now and i'm genuinely getting misty eyed because it's just so heartwarming mm -hmm. but it's it's just a lovely reminder again it's it's nice to see the very human side of that because yeah. you, sometimes people in these situations get so deified right that we don't see them as people and they're like these mystical figures yeah. and so it's it's nice to see that even like towards the end of his life you know he he you could just see him just as a dad just mm -hmm. as a, a yeah. regular guy and that's such a heartwarming thing yeah. i think that's a really important part of the legacy to remember yeah 100 percent, mate definitely it's, it's so nice but i'm really curious because obviously i've noticed the bass in the corner how um how do you find van halen has influenced your kind of playing and and as you as a musician like what's your sort of take on all of it um, I actually did a, a chat um, with a friend of mine and we was listing our top five bass players. And Well, he's a guitar player and I'm a bass player. He listed mm. his top five guitar players. I listed my top five bass players. And uh, Michael Anthony was in there. Um, I love his playing. I think he's incredible. And again, Mike gets like slammed on a lot of forums saying, oh, the Van Halen stuff's super simple. I'm like, what? Either I'm like the worst bass player on the planet or you're listening to like something totally different to me because <laughs> <laughs> like those early van right. halen albums what we're saying early the mix is great you can pick out every instrument and yeah. hear it and especially the bass you can hear some great yeah. runs then you've got the two first sammy albums 5150 and ou812 where the bass is pretty much non-existent which mm. which i think happened on a lot of albums but then they came back with for unlawful carnal knowledge and mike's playing on that is just the bass is right up there and heavy in the mix, but it's different playing for him. He's just thumping along. And it's if you ever want to mm -hmm. hear what just great root note bass playing sounds like, just listen to that album. And it's just incredible. It's, it's just superb. Yeah. So, but the weird thing in with Mike is why I love him so much, because if you, if someone says, Oh, this is Michael Anthony, the bass player from Van Halen, just showed you a picture. I'm like, that's not a rock star. That's just an average looking guy. <laughs> but you go to a yeah. Van Halen concert and see Michael Anthony walk on that stage with that smile, that energy that he has like, yeah, that's a rock star right there. The way 
and that's what I felt. No disrespect to Wolfgang, because Wolfgang's playing is incredible. Mm. They people say, "Oh, they miss Mike's vocals on the live shows." Wolfgang can sing fine. What they yep. missed was Mike's stage presence on those shows. Because yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, that was so for me personally. From a because I don't consider myself a great bass player, but in a live environment, that's where I feel comfortable putting on a show. And Michael yeah. Anthony puts on a show from one of the point of view where he can smile and hit mm. the person in the back row. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a proper X factor, which is in a live environment, in my opinion, is as important as you're playing. A hundred percent. And to your point as well with the bass playing, you know, there's a phrase that you'll be familiar with for anyone who is in, in the music sort of industry, I guess is, is called being in the pocket mm-hmm. as a bass player, which is exactly what it sounds like. It just fits. Yeah. And he was perfect at that. And to be able to do that in between Alex and Eddie Van Halen, that's nothing short of a miracle, you know, <laughs> or like just incredible on its own right. To, like we were saying earlier for, you know, for Sammy and, and David Lee Roth to be able to sing over the top and think of melodies to fit in, to do that as a bass player, yeah, it's, it's actually really, really impressive. And a yeah. lot of the bass lines are so simplistic, but so memorable. Yeah. And they just fit perfectly. And you go... Oh, yeah, of course you play that there. But yeah. if, like you said, I mean, I'm not much of a bass player, but like, if you put that track, just the drums and the guitar, and you went, right, write something, I think the vast majority of us would just go, uh, yeah. you know, we, and we just panic. And even if you do just play those root notes, how many you still do got... I play? Which do I fit in? Oh, yeah. oh, you still got to oh. play along with Alex Van Halen's crazy drum. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, oh, well, hang on, what's he doing now? He's doing yeah. that weird fill. Oh, what do I do? Oh, yeah. no. You know, so actually to do that, and like you say, to do it with, you know, a absolutely massive grin on your face and just be so comfortable in that environment and on that stage with all of those big egos and presence and everything that's genuinely really impressive and sing those crazy high oh yeah his harmonies are brilliant as well yeah yeah (laughs) absolute legend yeah like a kind of in some ways you could say perhaps the unsung hero of the band yeah but i think just another ingredient right another Mm -hmm. piece of the puzzle which is so inspiring and for you as a bass player Obviously, it, it hit many notes. Yeah, pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. I don't know if you was going to ask it or not. Um, mm-hmm. Favorite Van Halen album? You you can pick one from the Dave era and the Sammy era. <laughs> no, see, I was going to ask you, and then I thought if this, if this flips back on me, I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I probably would just say the first album. Okay, I love them all, but. That, yeah, that was definitely the one I probably heard the most mm-hmm. in the car and just having eruption on it and having yeah. all of it, you know, even like Ice Cream Man, that kind of that was That was on it. Pure Rock the other day. I was like, this is great. No one else has got a, a song like tune. this. Just yeah, even the title. It's brilliant. Yeah. Doing this sort of weird, cheesy, like, bluesy swing yeah. to finish up an album. It's just like, what? <laughs> you know, and eight talking about love, atomic punk, you know, just for, for a debut album... Mm. It's astonishing. It yeah. really, really is. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's one of those. I don't think you can go wrong. What about yourself? No. What's, what's um, yours? I, I think you're right. Like if you had to pick an, it would have to be the first one, just from iconic status and what's on there. But um, I think my go-to, which I love to hear when still sounds amazing and fresh, and always hear something different, is uh, "Women and Children First, which which was the hardest album for me to get into. Uh, it took a while, but when it clicked, uh, it's got some of my favorite songs, Everybody Wants Some, and 
in mm-hmm. a simple rhyme are two of my favorite Van Halen songs. Mm. Um, which I think, I think again, going back to your tribute episode, I think you said that that it, I can't remember where you said it charted in the American charts, but mm. it was like super high up there. Yeah, and I'm like, this is like a, a an odd album, but that just showed what mm. success Van Halen had at the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's a t- for me it was a tough album to get into um after hearing all the melodic sammy stuff and going back like some weird stuff on this album like loss of control people need to listen to that mm. album it's like i don't know what's going off on that song <laughs> it's all over the place it is i was listening to was it the cradle will, will rock as yeah. well and there's some interesting fills and stuff going on there and yeah. that's kind of like the radio hit but it's yeah. still like oh that's a bit of a weird moment yeah but, yeah and i think because that came straight after number two i think yeah and then what was off the back of that one? Fair warning. Um, it was fair warning, yeah. So and then you know, you get unchained and everything else, mm-hmm. like other smash hits. So it does feel like, even though it did really, really well, yeah. Like I mean, all of their albums basically were number one, which I was astonished by. I thought this is nuts in terms of a run. And to your point earlier, they were doing them almost like year after year. Yeah. They were just constantly smashing these out. That one does kind of get sort of lost in the mix. Yeah, I think when people talk about it. But you're right; it's a great album. I mean. As I said, I don't think you could go bad with any of these. Whatever one you pick, they're all solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll even put out a call to listeners now. Like, if you if you want to tell us your favorite one, please do. I'd love to hear from you and why. Because, yeah, it's. I think there's something in, in each album that speaks to everybody. Yeah. Favorite Sammy album? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> probably 5150. If I had yeah. to go, yeah, it's just got all the bangers on it. Yeah. Um, it's got Dreams on it, which is... Dreams just... is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about Dreams. Yeah, it's such a good song. And yeah, it's just a solid album. It really, really is. Um, and an interesting transition as well, I think, because that was when they were putting together the home studio and they were sort mm. of being a bit more... Maybe cause maybe guarded is the word of like what they were doing, right. a bit more like in-house yeah. with it all. And I feel like you can really hear that in that album as well. Like it's got a completely different sound and vibe mm-hmm. to it on so many different ways, as we said earlier, like more synthy as well, more yeah. kind of big chorus, more power ballads, but really awesome. Yeah. Really, really awesome. That um, was an interesting album for me from the fact that I think by the time I got that, I was like deep into mm-hmm. Van Halen as yeah. in like learning about them as well. Uh-huh. Um, so when I, I put that album on and, um, you heard Sammy go, hello, baby. I thought that was, um, I thought it was a bit rubbish, to be honest. I thought really? it was, I thought it was Sammy trying to be too Dave. Um, mm. It felt like a, a bit of a, a Daveism, which Dave could have done a lot better. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It does have a bit of that vibe. But... Yeah. Um, Cause the rest of the album sounds mm. like doing their own thing. Whereas um, when true. I had that, I, I still remember hearing that for the first time. I was like, Hmm. It sounds like yeah. Sammy doing a bit of a Dave. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a, an interesting statement from him, yeah. I think. And he's, and he's doing all the high-pitched screeching and stuff as well. You're kind of like, oh, it, it feels like it takes you a moment to sort yeah. of settle into that. Have you um, but, did have you got the Live Without a Net live concert um, from that? Tour? I've probably got that saved somewhere. But I've, oh, man. Mm. If, if you ever want to point somebody to a band, mm-hmm. just so happy and on fire in a time frame i think that's the concert you need to look at it's it's mm. just so good it's um i watched yeah. that video so many times 
Oops. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I've got it on the show. I've I've actually got it here. Oh. Try not to. Oh, this is really exciting. Look at that. Oh, sweet. Get of right course, it's, of course, it's VHS, and it's signed. Signed by somewhere. Michael Anthony. That is. Oh, love it. Like my I absolutely got it signed it. at the same time as my 1984. There. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I met You'd Mike at the base centre in Birmingham. Um, oh, beautiful man. That's yeah. great. When which it's not there anymore. I don't think. I don't know how many mm. years it lasted or what. But um, yeah, he that's opened a... like a base shop in Birmingham, and wow. I think it was when Van Halen was rehearsing for the Right Here Right Now tour. It was. I think it was in March, and then they came back in April or May. So it's strange yeah. that they were racing in the UK. Whether they raced in the UK, then went to Europe, then came back to the UK. But um, yeah, and that was in the days where you could just take a pile of stuff and people would sign it. They wouldn't be charging you like 25, 45 quid like <laughs> they do at these comic cons these days. Yeah. I just took a, I think I got that signed. Let me think what I got. I got the video, the 1984 album, mm -hmm. 5150 program. And I think mm. I got a Diver Dan tablature book signed. I was like, please sign these, nice. Michael. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That must, have been, that must have been a really fun day for you. It was because I was still at college yeah. at that point. And I just oh, went, down, went down on my own, pre-internet. It's like, yeah. is he going to be there? Mm. Get off the train at New Street. Can you take me to this address in a taxi? I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to get there and you just... I hope, I hope this has worked out. I hope yeah, this is yeah. the right Michael Anthony. Exactly. For a start. <laughs> <laughs> not just some other bloke. You're like, oh, you're not in Van Halen. Yeah, I know, oh. I know. <laughs> That's great, though. But yeah, check that. out Live Without Annette, mate. It's, it's yeah. superb. It's really, I will, because really that was something that I remember, I think it might have been Paul Gilbert I heard in an interview once mm. say that, like, that made such a huge impression in him seeing Eddie, seeing all of them play live, is that they just had fun. Yeah. And you could play this really crazy music, but you could have a big old daffy smile on your face and do it and you not have to take yourself too seriously. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Definitely. And there's the, um, speaking of live concerts, if, mm. if you want to see Van Halen 3, there's a really great um, live concert from Australia, which I think oh. is like either the first or second show they did with Gary Sharon, which wow. bums me out even more because how good mm. that is on the first or second show to how good it could have been. Yeah. Um, it's it's brilliant. It's really worth watching. If you put like Van Halen 3, I'm pretty sure it's like Sydney, Australia. Um, mm. And yeah, it's great to see that as well because they started changing stuff up. Um, Mike sings Somebody Get Me a Doctor and they're like yeah. doing like really experimental stuff in the set and it's it's wicked. Eddie's playing great. The whole Well, the whole band are playing great. It's superb. That's awesome. I love it. I might see if I can find some stuff on YouTube and chuck it in show notes because if people want to see it, then go for it. I'll be I'll be having a little deep dive on YouTube later. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, I'm just curious, Rob, was there anything else you wanted to bring up about uh, Van Halen? Uh, Mitch Malloy, if you want to bring that up. Mitch Malloy. <laughs> the other Van Halen singer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, for a hot minute. Yeah. yeah. There's a cool <laughs> little documentary about him online as well because mm. um, they did... Uh, They've actually really, well, Mitch got permission to release the song. Is it It's About Time, which is up online. Oh, I don't think I've heard it, actually. Because uh, there's two songs which are very similar sounding. There's a song with Sammy and then there's a song with Mitch. I'm pretty sure it's Mitch Muller, It's About Time. Um, you could tell me if I've got that right or it's the right time or something. See what comes up. Put Van Halen, Mitch Malloy. Yeah. It'll come up there, but it's a great song. 
Um, and it's really cool that they actually got down to recording. Um, or unless something like um, Eddie did this demo track, sent it to Mitch and it never got finished, but Mitch has finished it later on. I'm not sure the actual timeline and it's some people might be able to correct us on that. Um, but again, going back to like the Gary Sharon extreme thing as me being a big extreme fan, I was a big Mitch Malloy fan as well. The right, debut okay. Mitch Malloy album is superb. It's proper AOR, big choruses, banging vocals. Um, okay. And it's kind of weird. I, I w- often wonder if Mitch would have got that gig permanently mm. from a real, um, what's the word I'm after? Um, you could t- I, I can't think of the word. There's a word, but a superficial way if okay. the public would have accepted him better because here's this really good looking long blonde haired dude yeah maybe maybe fits fits a certain look F- yeah fits the look if mm. he might have it's been uh, accepted it's the right time it's the right time the song. yeah yeah so I've... i think the sammy ones it's about time or something like that yeah wow okay i'm gonna have to give this a proper listen because i remember vaguely hearing about this but i've not looked into it um yeah kind of kind of wild yeah. makes you wonder like who else would have uh yeah, what what the band would have ended up looking like if it maybe he got the gig? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Mm. Cause another, I think another rumor was Canadian singer Sass Jordan auditioned with them for a while, a wow. female singer. Oh, so yeah. that would have been cool. Mm. <laughs> this, there's so much stuff in the Van Halen timeline, and it's crazy. Yeah. All, well, again, going back to the stuff we never heard about any of this kind of thing. Yeah, and like you know, we were saying earlier, there's probably a bunch of you know little demos. In fact, they brought a lot of that back for the last album. It makes you wonder what else is in the vault, you know. Like, so sang with them. Yeah, because it's their home studio out in LA, and you think, no doubt there would have been tons of people yeah, passing through. Exactly. So yeah, who knows? I'd love to personally hear it one day if they'll ever do like a a, a demo album and just be like, here's all the stuff that yeah. we put together with various artists, you know. Just it's, I think that'd be cool because I think Wolfgang's argued about that. People are saying, oh, you got you get to go through all the fifty one fifty archives, just put it out, and he's like, no, there's a reason it didn't come out. It's because it wasn't as good as the stuff we put out, which I think is a fair yeah. argument. But there's got to be some fun stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I completely understand and you know respect his decision. It is. After all, his family's yeah. legacy. So, has your dad ever dived into or introduced you to the Starfleet stuff that he did with Brian May? No, yeah, I've there, not heard of this. Yeah, Starfleet. there was a um, a kids TV, you know, Thunderbirds, the Jerry yeah, Anderson yeah. thing. Well, uh-huh. there was like a Japanese one called Starfleet, which was on Saturday <laughs> mornings, and the puppets right. are great. It looks amazing, and they, they had some incredible uh, spaceships and stuff like that. But yeah, the uh, Brian How May and Eddie Van Halen did the theme tune to it. No way. You can buy oh, it on vinyl. You go on yeah, yeah, yeah. eBay and search for Starfleet vinyl, it'll come up. I am listening to this. <laughs> yeah, this looks mental. I, I got stuff for it. days, man. This is so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's like three songs or something like this. Yeah, but the theme tune's the one you need. That's yeah. all you need. It'll That's blow awesome. your mind, mate. That is with Brian May as well. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, so next time I see you, you'll have a Starfleet t-shirt on. I probably like will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was known for his uh, his collaborations. I mean, him, Michael Jackson, after yeah. all, just absolutely smashing it out with one of the greatest pop songs ever written. You what know? are your feelings on the Beat It guitar solo? Oh, it's just painfully difficult to try and play. It's yeah. <laughs> like, it again, it just fascinates me that he was able to get away with that, you know, by doing really strange technical stuff like that. 
It's a bit it of a, like a, a Van Halen greatest hits all in yeah. one solo. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it particularly fits the song. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it, we, we even even the riff is weird and sort of yeah. Any guitarist out there that tries to learn it, you're like, what? Yeah, my, my hands don't go like that. But and it has this strange timing to it. And yeah. like you say, the solo is just like, yeah, we're just gonna let him show off now. I think Michael just says, oh, seconds. just. I would imagine it was, I don't know, people can perhaps say how many takes it was done in, but mm. you're pretty sure that was done in one or two takes. Try again. Oh, oh yeah, we pre- either we prefer the first one or we'll go with the second one. It's 100%. got that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And again, it just it just hit. Yeah. It just became this massive song. And yeah, I have no doubt that that was probably another gateway for some people listening, you yeah. know, perhaps who'd never heard of Van Halen before. It was like, oh, who's this? What's mm-hmm. this? And I love it. I love seeing that. I love seeing two genres like that come together and it just works so yeah. well. Awesome, man. It's just endless, the amount of stuff. And it's a great history to go through. Mm. Um, there's, I think there's a great book out, which um, I've still to get, and it's a bit bad that I've not got it, by Greg Renhoff. Um, mm. I think it's Van Halen Rising, but it talks about all the backyard parties and all the stuff before they became the Van yeah. Halen we know. So I need to get that on the Christmas list one day and check it out. I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, to check that out as well because I remember looking into sort of the early history and it's there's it's, it's a lot of mythology flowing mm. around. Um, the most I could find was, yeah, they were just a band. But, you know, you can imagine like so many of these huge bands that, yeah, what about the, the lost members, the early days, the demos, all of that stuff. You know, I think there was a, um, a demo or an EP they did with uh, Gene Simmons yeah. at one point, which I read about and... He wanted to call the band. I can't remember what he wanted to call them. But it was an awful name. It was. was like, it, looks, uh, yeah, I think you said it was. It, was I it Daddy Longlegs or something? Yeah, that was Stupid it. Yeah, like looking that up and be like, really? Yeah, that was that was your best take, Daddy Longlegs. I thought, oh, thank goodness. They well, there was, there's all like rumors. Direction. Yeah, there's all rumors that Eddie was lined up to playing Kiss. Yeah, all kinds of and you could like see that. it. You yeah. could totally see it, but I mean, he would have completely outshone the rest of the band. <laughs> no offense, Kiss, they're great, but like, yeah, that would just would have been. I, th- I don't think Gene Simmons would have liked that. No. <laughs> would have upstaged him. <laughs> but yeah, that's all those kind of stories. You're like, yeah, I wonder what that would have looked like or what those yeah. early takes would have been. or Yeah, because you-, you can imagine in that time and era as well, they would have been shopping it around to all sorts yeah. of people and they were all coming up at the same time. And, you know, I think um, I've read some biographies of like Slash and the members of Guns N' Roses and they remember them knocking around. And so you think, yeah, it's probably a load of stories and stuff from that era right of all of these guys rubbing shoulders and yeah yeah who, who knows imagine, what could have been I, I would love to have been a teenager when the first album came out and heard oh, it for the first especially a teenager yeah. in america on a sunny afternoon mm-hmm. someone coming up to you saying you gotta listen to this yeah yeah your Fair mind enough, would have been blown time. you'd still be feeling the ramification ramifications of it to this day <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Again, I mean, my, that's something my dad tells me about. That was his intro was hearing eruption. And yeah. he, he's not, he's not a musician, but like he could just appreciate it. Just heard it and was like, what is this? And then you're off. So yeah. And they imagine. actually played it on the radio in America. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the thing. You like, can you imagine that now on the radio? They just go like, oh yeah, here's a two minute guitar solo. Yeah. They just put it out on the radio. Like, I think when they played, because uh, I got my track listing messed up earlier on. I think when they played, you really got me mm. on the radio. They'd play Eruption before it. Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's nuts. Mm. So it's crazy. It really is. Amazing legacy. And 
yeah I've, I've loved talking about this and so the stories you've got and the stuff you've researched is absolutely brilliant so thank you so much rob oh man anytime someone says you want to talk about van halen i'm in <laughs> yeah i love it man and yeah there's that other episode if people haven't heard it feel free to go back i chuck in a load of clips and stuff and just the legacy that that one member left behind is is crazy and as, as we've talked about here everyone else has also had a huge impact and just amazing yeah just absolutely amazing i think and still sounds awesome today oh yes i'm gonna go and listen to some now <laughs> i know i'm gonna have a really hard time trying to pick out what song to use as the intro <laughs> i have to think about that but um i guess yeah to kind of wrap us up then rob i mean where can the good people find you and your podcast and your music and all the things that you do uh, best place is uh, stvpod.com. So STV stands for straight to video. So mm-hmm. stvpod.com. Um, that'll give you links to everything. It's on all um, social medias, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Pretty easy to check out. And if anyone's in the Midlands area, we've opened up our own video shop. Um, yeah. So um, check That's out awesome, 80s man. Video Shop online and come and reminisce about the glory days of VHS. And I shall... Yeah talk about van halen to you <laughs> that i think that's so cool i love that you've done that by the way i think that's so awesome thank you mate next time you're up this way let us know we'll... i will yeah i'll have to swing by and, and have a look and yeah it just kind of blows my mind to, to to go for something like that but yeah it's been a lot of fun the response has been great so i'm excited to see where it goes brilliant man brilliant well listen i'll be putting links to all of that in the show notes i mean there's some great jumping off points i think you had a wonderful chat with mark woodjack out recently um that was a good great one. episode and there's some other stuff in there that i love i mean i'll say it now one that leapt out to me was clint lowry because i'm a huge seven dust fan so when i heard that what I a like, dude hey. yeah he was great as well big 80s fan as well he likes his 80s he does movie yeah. montages so that was cool to chat with him about that yeah and you get some amazing conversations out of people so yeah make sure i put links in that and all that's left to say is thanks again for coming on holly you're a legend appreciate it man thank you rob and there we have it thank you so much to rob for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of this legendary band i'm sure you guys listening really enjoyed that episode please make sure you go and check out rob's incredible podcast straight to video it really is awesome he's had an incredible lineup of guests including previous guest and friend of the show mark woodjack so if you want a good jumping off point of course i'd recommend that episode but there are plenty of other episodes with some really amazing people that have just had some wild careers. So make sure you go and check it out. Links are in the show notes for you to do so. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please make sure you share it with somebody. I really don't mind who that somebody is or how indeed you share it with them. If it is carrier pigeon, if it is text message, email, social media, announcing it in the middle of your gig, any and all ways of sharing are greatly appreciated because it helps this podcast to grow and find a new audience. You can also leave five-star reviews and ratings on your favorite podcatcher of choice as another way to help the podcast grow and find another audience. Uh, All of these things basically just help this podcast to grow. As I've said many times before, this is an independent podcast. I do everything, don't have any marketing teams behind me, so I am fully reliant on you guys and your support. If you have left a lovely five-star review or rating, then please make sure that you tell me because these things are surprisingly difficult to keep track of. But if you let me know, then I can give you your much-deserved praise on the next episode of the podcast. 
And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast financially in some small way, there are two key ways of doing so, both of which are linked in the show notes. They are the coffee donation page, which allows you to give a direct donation of one pound or more to the podcast. And there is, of course, the Tee Public Store featuring the wonderful artwork designed by Alex. You can get that on a mug, a t-shirt, a poster, a badge, a bag, whatever you fancy. And I get a kickback as a result. So any and all contributions you can give go a long way to help with the costs of running this show. As I said, I do this all on my own. It goes out of my own pocket. I'm happy to do it. And it's always going to be free, just so you know. But if you want to help along the way, then, of course, that would make my day. And of course, I would shout you out as well on the podcast because, well, you're helping me run the show. It's the least I could do. Right, that's enough from me. I will be back next week with a brand new guest on a wonderful animated topic. So in the meantime, make sure that you are subscribed or following whatever it is you have to do so that you don't miss out on episodes as they go up week to week. And uh, yeah, that's it, really. So have a great week. Go and check out the Straight to Video podcast. And of course, listen to Van Halen. And I'll meet you all back here at the same time next week for another episode of the podcast. Take care.